There was one quote that changed my life. Get out of your own way. I finally decided to just get out of my own way. Most of the time, it's not your problems that stop you from doing stuff. It's just you. I fired myself from being the bottleneck in my life. Things changed immediately. Hey, I'm David Alaku, and this is The Knowledge podcast for anyone looking to think deeper and work smarter. In every episode, I speak with makers, thinkers, and innovators to help you get more out of life. This week, I'm speaking with Ama Amoagye. We had an incredible conversation about her journey going from zero to seven figures. It's a really incredible story. She was telling me all about how she was fired during the pandemic and decided to turn her hand to business and entrepreneurship and started a business that made over two and a half million pounds, which is incredible. So during this conversation, we talked all about how she rebelled from the typical immigrant dream and how she tried to chase a sense of freedom through entrepreneurship. And finally, one of the biggest threads throughout our entire conversation is this sense of building resilience in the face of adversity. So I know there's a lot you're going to learn from this episode and be incredibly inspired just like I was. You can get the full show notes, transcript and read my newsletter at theknowledge.io. And you can find Emma on Twitter at Emma underscore underscore official and check out her incredible business at weareplantsmade.com. If you love this episode, please do share it with friends and strangers. And don't forget to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps us tremendously to reach other people just like you. 2.6. 2.6. That rolled right off your tongue. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm know I mean trying, it's not everybody that comes from where we come from that gets to just casually say 2.6 million and that's pounds it is pounds it is pounds into dollars that's now like four plus million dollars how has your life changed how are you just so dramatically different from the rest of us now that you've ascended into greatness <laughs> I mean hey like I'm no different it's just I know better now. Like I've mm. I've experienced probably three lives at this point, and they've all been long. That's yeah. how I could describe it. Business has been really life changing, not even on a monetary level. It's really about like I didn't know I could make this much money from my mind and from my skill. It's definitely been something that has changed me and has forced me to become better and at a rate that. I never expected I needed to be, you know, improving at. I have big goals, but those big goals aren't just like things I can say without the effort and also the knowledge and skill set behind it. So like the rate I'm consuming information as much as like the rate that I'm executing is insane right now. I'm no different to anybody. I, I really am. And the thing <laughs> is, I'm very consistent. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a very consistent person. I haven't changed. And some people find that strange because if they would have made some money, they would have gone, you know, bought a car, you know, like I'm still at home um, and loving it at that. And just like my life is just the same still. I don't know. It's just me. It's just me. I'm very frugal. I'm very like, you know, the same. But yeah, some people are surprised by that. And I don't know why. Okay. I think you said so much that I'd love to dig into, but let's get into, I mean, what it means to be you. I'd love to know, yeah. maybe let's start with your 
your background and where it all started for you and like growing up, what was your childhood and all of that like? Okay, cool. So I am from a family of four. I'm from Ghana, but I, didn't, I wasn't born in Ghana. I was born here. I was the only sibling in my family to be born here. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, You're like I, my I sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not a choice. It was kind of by force, but it is what it is. But yeah, I come from an immigrant family, just working class. They really built from nothing, which was insane. Like my parents really built from nothing. They were like cleaners and stuff um, when they first came here because their qualifications didn't matter. You already know the drill. And they worked yeah. their way up. They did degrees while I was, I was like five years old. They both studied at the same time. I even remember like reading and like correcting some of their stuff like at like nine years old, which was insane. But yeah, they hustled, man. And that's definitely where I get my work ethic from. We didn't really mm. have much growing up, but like my parents were able to work uh, way up to like having a mortgage and stuff. And it was just like something that's kind of been ingrained in me, just seeing that amount of effort being put into like making sure like your family's good, you're all good type of thing. That that mm. really inspired me. I did grow up in a white, predominantly white area. I basically grew up in a village. It's not a village, but... I like to call it a village. It's about an hour away from um, London. And yeah, I didn't really have a lot of diversity around me. So, and I didn't even have a lot of exposure around me either. So, you know, some kids, you know, they're really exposed to like different worlds very early on, whether it be like different yeah. cultures. So like Spanish friends, you know, Arab friends, whatever. Like I really had very much white friends. That's like Some of them were rich, but like I didn't know how. They were rich, didn't get exposed to that. I just knew they had money. I just knew I wasn't the one with money and they were the ones with money. And I was like, I didn't even know. I didn't even think to be like, oh, how do I make money or anything like that? Like, that's how underdeveloped my environment was to me. Like that exposure just was not there. However, I was actually really into movies from like age 13. Okay. I randomly watched the Oscars with... A friend of mine at age 13, it was just on. And I just decided that was my hobby. Like I was just going to watch anything and everything to escape this world. <laughs> just going to dive into anything. And I feel like that's where I started to develop an act for like people, humans, understanding humans. And then I had like a weird drive to like really help people. But I didn't know what I, how I wanted to do it. I just think I wanted to help. Then I stumbled across psychology as an A-level choice. Again, hadn't even been exposed to it before, but I was just like, hey, let's go for it. Ended up falling in love with it. Did it as a degree. And then I was gearing up to be a whole doctor, a whole psychiatrist. That was like what I was going to do. And then like in my second year, I was like, I don't think I can, like personally, I'm an empath. So like when it comes to like receiving people's emotions and stuff, I just, like, I'm too sensitive in that regard. I was like, can I live a life where I'm carrying so many burdens every single day? I'll destroy myself. I recognized that early and I was like, Do you know, I need, a, I need a different career path. And mm. then I had my brother, I had a discussion with my brother. I remember this day, 2016 Christmas. He had a, he basically called me out on my, on my crap. He was like, what's your future plans looking like? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, what does your future look like? I said, well, you know, 
become a doctor, have kids. Da, da, da. He's like, why? And I was like, that's the first time anyone had ever asked me why. I was like, isn't this what? Isn't this just what we do? Like, this is what we do. And I was like, I don't like, I don't know. I don't know why this came about in my head. I don't know why this was my path. I didn't have any a reason to challenge why he was like questioning me on this. And he was like, go and read. I know this book is controversial, but I don't care. It changed my life. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes, I said it. Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the book that actually changed my life. Because that was the first time I had ever been exposed outside of my environment. And the first book that showed me I had a choice. Like, right. I had a choice in my life. I had a choice to do whatever I wanted. I had a choice to make money if I wanted to. That was the first time I'd ever thought about, you know, business, like starting a business. I'd never, ever thought about it until then. Can I just jump in with with a quick question? Of course, of course. Yeah, sure. So, okay, going back to what you were saying about growing up with your parents and watching them essentially working their way up from nothing, I'm really interested to know what did watching them and their experiences and maybe also from your siblings... I think they're older than you. What did that teach you about what success looks like? Because on one hand, I know you mentioned that you get your work ethic from having seen your parents. But then on the other side, it seems like you were still very much pushed down this traditional route of expecting that you would have to become like a doctor or a lawyer or or something of that nature. Yeah. So it was twofold, kind of in the same regard, but like a bit different. So like, it was like, oh, no, you need to work hard in this life. Like, that's what that showed me. It was like, yeah, you need to work hard in this life. But then it was also like, but working hard doesn't get you what you want. <laughs> and it was right. like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I was like, the harder they work, the same position we're in. Like, we're not moving anywhere, though. Like, it didn't change. And it was like, hmm, maybe it's not what, it's not about the amount of hard work you put into. It's about what you're putting that hard work into. You know, and it was like, yeah, they were very traditional up until I literally started the business. They were like, get a job, get a job, get a job. Like that is just what they knew because it was security. But I later realized in my life, security is what our parents fought for and freedom is what we're fighting for. And it was like, I needed, when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad is when I realized freedom was the thing I'm searching for. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, my siblings, we all work hard. Like, we're a very hardworking family up until this day. We, we have trouble sleeping. We have trouble switching off. We don't know. Like, we all are like this, every single one of us. And it's like, cool, those things are passed down and those things are great. But then it was like, what are we putting our energy into? Like, my sister's a nurse. She works all the time. But we all know nurses are very underpaid. You know, my other sister, she's a hairdresser. She works really hard as well. My brother works really hard. But then it was like, oh, me and my brother, we're the youngest siblings. We're working hard in different aspects. He's in trading and I'm in e-commerce. All of a sudden, things are changing now because that hard work has been switched into vehicles that really produce that freedom. Sure. And was it the brother that's trading that gave you the book? Because that's the other thing I was going to ask is what kind of gave him that mindset that this is something that you needed to read at that stage in your life? Yeah, he is the brother. Yeah, I only have one brother. I have two sisters and one brother. Yeah, okay. he's the one that did give me the book. 
And it was funny because he was on his own path to find out. He His path ended up being trading that he found. But it was almost like, and it was strange because why did he like tell me and not my other siblings? But I think it was because he knew that I would be receptive to it, but not necessarily. I, I could find the tools to figure out my path for myself. He, he, made a, he made it a point to not push trading on me. He made it a point to, for me to figure out what that could be. And that was the, probably the greatest part about him sharing this information with me. Because it wasn't a case of like, he knew better. It was a case of, I just needed to tell you that this is how we're going to break free. We need to figure it out for ourselves in order, because... Um, my brother was forced into accountancy and he hated it. Like he hated that job. And not only that, I even later after this whole like passing down of information, I ended up taking a job because I caved into my parents asking me to get a job. And I ended up hating that. It was probably the worst experience of my life. And it's like, so we, we know what it's like to take advice from someone who thinks they know about her, but that advice or that path doesn't really resonate with you. And how it feels going on someone else's path, basically, that they've laid out for you. Hate it. Hate it. So probably the greatest gift was that he let me find my own way through this piece of, like, information. This, like, building my own way to freedom, basically. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think it's it's such an interesting journey. I keep saying interesting, but it's a, it's a really unique <laughs> journey being an immigrant. And one thing that I do empathize with is the fact that essentially... Like you're coming from another country. First of all, it's incredibly like I know that I'm incredibly fortunate and I, I might say the same for you to be born to the kind of people that would be willing to give up their lives somewhere else in the world and take a risk to move to another country. So in, in some sense, that is the spirit of entrepreneurship. That is, you know, taking a risk on yourself, making a bet on yourself that you can build a better life elsewhere. But then I think the flip side of that is that you are now embarking on this project and all of your children, whether they like it or not, are part of this project with you where yeah. you have to prove that it worked. Like all of your relatives might yeah. still be back at home. Your grandparents might still be back at home and you have to be able to say that it worked. And so what they're looking for is what is the safest way? What is the exactly. most guaranteed way that I know that my children are going to be fine? Okay go be a doctor. That's a job. They're, people are always going to need doctors. They're always going to pay you money. And then I can tell everyone, okay, you're a doctor. Fine. We've made it. This is it. It worked. The, the bet worked out. And so I think that's the hard part because on, on one hand, I'm sure that that is what a lot of immigrant parents are thinking is that how can I, what's the safest way to make sure that this very ambitious project works out for all of the children. But then yeah. for you, I think being born here, and I think maybe this is part of the blessing as well. Like you get to have this optionality because if I'm honest, so I'm originally from Nigeria and I came here with my family from Nigeria. And I don't think I would have necessarily the same optionality of saying, oh, I want to do whatever I like, right? <laughs> if if I was still in Nigeria, just because, I mean, I still have cousins that are still in Nigeria. So I know that they don't necessarily have all the same options that I have. And I can, you know, change my career and I can quit my job. And not that that's what my parents want, but that is possible. <laughs> but here, yeah. I think then you have the option of looking, like you said, for freedom and then what that can bring you. So how did that feel? I guess maybe it's a two-part question. So when you read that book, what trajectory did that take you on? Yeah. Was it something that 
sometimes you get an enlightenment. And I, I think I've definitely had this in the past where I've heard something and I wasn't necessarily ready to hear it. So I didn't yeah. act on it. And it's yeah. only later as I develop and I grow that, oh, yeah. I remember that. Now I'm ready to hear that. And now I can actually change something based on it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think it was a case of like, it's not even like there weren't people around me who were doing stuff. Like there wasn't many though. And like every time someone was doing something, it just never worked. So I just never knew what successful business looked like or a successful rebel. I will say it with my chest. It's a rebel. It's someone going against the grain. That is a rebel for yeah. sure. I had never seen a successful rebel. So why on earth? Would I do that? Because every time I would be a rebel in my life, which I actually was quite a bit, I, I like to go against the grain. Like my mom would try and force me to play, you know, piano. I'm like, that's cool. I'm going to pick up guitar because you don't like that. But I like it. I had that spirit in me. So, but I guess I didn't see success in freedom chasing, like growing up. So it just, I just never had it as an option. This book, however, opened my eyes because... It was like, it was just so broken down in the best way. And because it, like, it was a story and it was relatable, it wasn't like those hard, you know, hardback business books, like how to build a business 101, start with the name and the logo. Like it wasn't that. It was yeah. like, it was really personal, humanized. It was almost like a journey through, you know, an infant. An infant I envied because if I had... Her rich dad, when I was growing up, my life would be so different right now. I probably would have made millions at 16 if I had mm. the chance. But rich dad in the sense of the book, because I think that's also another thing that I find. And maybe this is part of what you saw around you when you were growing up in the area that you did, where I think sometimes when people grow up with lots of choices, then I think it's easier just to take a safer route. And, you know, when you grow up and you have money and you have all of these things, you don't necessarily have to think outside the box always in the same way. Or you're not forced to think outside the box in the same way. You can choose to. Whereas for you, maybe it was like, if I don't do this, then I'm afraid of the kind of life that I would have. Yeah, 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 yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Like I didn't need my parents to be rich, you know? I didn't, I didn't envy, well, I didn't, I wasn't resentful of my parents in that situation. I, even to this day, I'm not because they fought for their lives and I can 100% commend them on that because not everyone has that in them. So it's like, it's not them. It was like, okay, cool. Just someone, it, all it had to be, it was just, it's just one person to just give you that insight, give you that knowledge, give you that exposure into a new world. That would have, that would have been the difference for sure. But yeah, it just made me realize that yeah, that was the first time I'd ever seen or first time that I'd ever read or realized that I had a choice. I was really in the school to work to wife pipeline. That was literally where I was going. And it was just okay. Like, because again, I didn't know any different. I didn't know any, I didn't know anyone who was doing anything. Anyone that did something wild, like move away to a different country or something. It was just like, wow. Oh, brave. You know, but it was never really like, it was only until after. And again, it's one of those things. It's like sensory awareness. Once you focus on something, that thing starts to come more and more and more. And once I, once I finished reading that book and started to look on a path of freedom, that is when I started to see 
literally 16 or 17 year olds making a ton of money online. That's when I started to see Dan Locke, Gary Vee. I saw so many people just start to pop up. This is the same YouTube I had before. It's the same YouTube I had after, but it's like my intentions, my focus were somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, you know, the universe <laughs> or God started to bring that stuff to me. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And so what was the next step for you? Were you still working or did you already start looking at ways to start your own things and looking at that spark for entrepreneurship? Yeah. So actually I was in uni. I was still in uni at the time. So I was finishing off, I was about to finish my second year and go into my final year. And I decided that summer I was just running around 2017 summer. Wow. It was funny. I was just running around, going to business events because somehow me, my boyfriend and a friend of us were in the same, like the similar mindset. We just arrived there at the same time. So we were like, cool. Then we started a podcast documenting that whole journey. But before that, we spent a whole summer just running around, going to networking events, young people's entrepreneurs, like events and stuff. And I even had a, a friend who had a business. All of a sudden, I'd now had a friend who had a business so um he was working in the shard as well so i used to visit him and yeah basically like anything he was doing i was just there i was just ready to learn and soak it in i was trying to pursue almost like basically i was like okay cool i feel like out of the four things that he mentions you know investor business owner blah blah, blah. i was like business probably lends itself to something i can do right now I have nothing to be an investor of, you know, I don't, I don't have any of that, but I can probably start a business at this age. So what kind of business? And then I was like, okay, well, marketing is probably going to be something I'm going to need to know. Like, again, I was so naive. I didn't know anything, but I was like, yeah, marketing probably will be helpful. How did I even come across that in my mind? I don't know. And then I was like, actually, that's probably a business. You can make marketing a business. So I was basically gearing up to be almost like a consultant. Um, an agency or freelancer. So I went with that. So when I went into my final year, I was basically helping out my friend who had a clothing brand and he was actually getting more sales because of me. And I'm just like spitballing, like regurgitating stuff I've seen or also trying to come up with ideas. Yeah. Then I had another friend I'd met, then the same thing with her clothing brand. And I was like, okay, I don't have skill like that, but I have something and something's working here because every time I'm touching a clothing brand, their sales are going up. Yeah, those were like the first things. Like those were like the first steps I took to like try and figure out how to turn the rich dad, poor dad advice into like action. Amazing. Okay. And so you started, so you completely immersed yourself in entrepreneurship. You're making all these new friends. You're going to events and workshops. And, and then you start essentially consulting as like a, a marketing consultant for a lot of these brands, your friends' fashion brands. Yeah, basically in uni, it was just so scrappy and like, <laughs> like it is where it is. You know, I, I saw some people, I was just hitting them up. Like I was like, Hey, your, your brand looks cool. Like, let me help you. They're like, okay. I was like, I charged like 50 pounds. Okay. Like they obviously had that. And then I was going their sales, but like, you know, maybe 50 to hundred percent sometimes. And I'm like, right. Like these two, two ideas I have, you actually make money from it. Yeah. And you're getting these ideas from, I guess, a lot of the content that you're consuming, maybe online. Yeah. Or is this from like workshops yeah. and things that you attend? Yeah. So it's probably a bit of 
it's probably a combination of like me just thinking on my feet and seeing what could work understanding people seeing what's happening as well just like live like outside of the information i was taking in that's because at that time like there was a lot going on like there was a lot of brands trying to start up instagram was still hot and people in uni some people was some people had exposure so they were doing their things and then i i ended up starting to see some of that on twitter and stuff so i started to see okay this brand did this and it did really well like okay let's see if this could help you it ended up helping them okay cool i was way more i knew way more about twitter than any other platform but i also knew people were making peas off of twitter too like how you know link is right there ready, ready to go you know exactly what you're doing you can make a ton of money so that was like my expertise even up until like i started the business twitter wasn't the place i knew like back of my hand yeah it's so funny. I think my journey in some ways was quite similar, not necessarily the the uni aspect, but just in terms of learning this skill, adding it to your repertoire and then being able to monetize it. And I think it's so funny. I remember I was speaking to, so I was working in corporate law when I kind of got back into entrepreneurship. I'd taken a, a break for okay, a while yeah. because law is very hard to get into. <laughs> and you need to, to focus. Yeah, but I remember I was talking to a friend. So at this point, I'm already consulting for startups and for brands on like brand strategy, growth strategy, marketing, things like that. And she was like, when do you even have the time to learn this? And I was like, I mean, just on the internet, I just buy books. And I think it's so funny that you can literally just go and buy. I was just buying, looking for what are the most recommended books on strategy, buy the books, read the books, books on marketing, buy that, read that all of the marketing podcasts. I was just consuming all of this information. So even though I wasn't working day to day in marketing, I was kind of on the cutting edge because I was following all the people that were working there. I was hearing all the updates that they were sharing. And every time there was a new feature or function that came out, I knew I wasn't manually personally on Instagram doing all this stuff, but I'm hearing what they're saying. And then I can just go to brands and say, hey, you know, this is what I've heard. If you do this, boop, boop, back. <laughs> then suddenly, suddenly the money's blowing up. Yeah, no, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. I was reading. I was I was watching. I was consuming the podcast. Oh, the podcast. Oh, the podcast. That is, that's the thing that was like injected in my veins. I was like, yeah, let's get all the information as humanly possible. It was insane. Crazy times. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I think it's one thing that people take massively for granted that in this day and age, you can learn so much. You don't have to go to school for this. Nope. You can if you like, but I don't know what you're going to learn there. Like, I I don't know what they're going to teach you that you can't learn on the internet, that you can't just learn with your hands. And okay, I'm not saying this if you're you're trying to be a doctor, right? If you want to be a doctor, go to medical (laughs) school and please let them teach you how to do all of those things. And maybe the same with a lawyer or some of the more professional traditions. But if you, in the end, want to work online, and that could be in tech, that could be anything that touches the internet. You already have the internet. That part. Like if you already have a connection to the internet, you can already learn a lot of this stuff. Exactly. And so I think you are a great example of how you can massively accelerate your trajectory just by starting to learn some of these things in advance. So that, and this is the part we're going to get to, but so that when you need to utilize those skills, you already have them. Yeah. You've already been developing them. So when the the moment strikes that suddenly there's an opportunity that you can use. Oh, you were ready for this, but that wasn't intentional. I don't think you were necessarily learning all these things because, oh, you knew that one day you wanted to use them to build this specific business, but you just start. 
by building the skills. Just start by learning the things and look for places that you can help people. Look for places you can apply them. Yeah. And then suddenly serendipity strikes and you're able to use them for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, I definitely wanted to start an e-commerce business. Like, obviously early on, I was told I needed capital. I needed money, like a lot of money to start something. Where, you know, that was the information going around. Like, I didn't see just anybody starting, especially physical product businesses. Like, I didn't see that happening a lot. So I was just like, okay, cool. Let me go the route that a lot of people at the time were suggesting, which was build an agency or be a freelancer, get a couple of clients under your belt, then build a cash flow business. And then after that, then now go and pump it into something else, which was usually e-commerce for a lot of people. But they ended up just drop shipping. They never built brands. They were just drop shipping yeah. money on the internet. Was e-commerce the most interesting just because it was closest to you and closest to what your proximity and what you could see? Or was there a specific reason that you gravitated towards that? I mean, I had a lot going on. So like, I saw a lot of people doing a lot of things. So again, I saw a lot of people just, just doing the agency life or just doing a freelancer life where they're just working with clients. And then especially like when it comes to like the four-day work week, like that was them. That was them. They yeah. were just like in, I write an email a day and I get like six figures. Like I was like, this is definitely what I want to do. Like no effort, big bucks. Like this is what I, turns out though, I don't know why it just wasn't for me. Cause when I was doing the agency thing, when I was doing the freelancing thing, I just couldn't get the results for the customers. Or I was just like, I wasn't even letting the door. Like they just, they just weren't hearing it. Like, but then I actually had very little e-commerce individuals around me. It was very, very little, but I saw them like in terms of like me actually speaking to people, like I had very little people in the industry. So I had way more proximity to people on the agency and freelancer front than I did like physical product businesses. Sure. Okay. So you leave uni now. What happens next? It's a lonely, lonely road. There's a whole year where it's a hot mess, heated mess. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm doing my little runaround jobs, working with, you know, hospitality agencies. And I'm out here like working at like, like five-star hotels, like changing sheets, like serving coffee. And I'm just like, what, where are we out here? Like, I'm just like. I remember overhearing like billionaires talking about their banks and how they sold their banks. I was just like, what am I hearing right now? And I'll never forget what I heard because I was like, wow, you know, wealth is really interesting. <laughs> and there's really people with a lot of money in this world. So I was doing like runaround jobs. And then I was also still working on like, you know, the freelancer piece or trying to build up my skill. I was like, okay, cool. Outside of uni, now, let's really hone in on this. I've now got the time. So in between these jobs, I was learning copywriting because that was the new thing I'd found. So it was almost like everything encompassed in one that I'd been learning over the past few years. So if, if written, yeah, if words are the default language of the internet, and if those are the very things that get people to buy from you, let's see what learning that could be. So copywriting was really something I delved into. It was sales, it was, it was psychology, it was obviously writing, it was it was challenging, but it was incredible. And it really, really did change my life. That, that skill alone has definitely changed everything, changed the game. Because it was like, 
let's let's actually bring all of this information into something tangible. Like that's that's how I felt about the skill. Even to this day, like I feel like I'm still nowhere. I'm I'm not a master, but like, will you ever feel that way? I just feel like I've always got to go back to the start. But yeah, I was just reading books. Like I was writing out like sales letters that might be like 15 pages long by hand because of the advice I was given. There was a lot, but I was like, wow, these people are making money. Like in terms of like how their words were able to translate into sales, how they were able to speak to their customers in a way where their customers are just like, I'm dropping everything and I'm buying this one product. I've never seen anything like that before. Cause I was like, that's power. That's power to be able to communicate in that way, to get sales like that. So it yeah, that's what led me to to have that skill. The thing is, though, it got me somewhere because I actually ended up landing a four-month contract with a startup, a health startup. They were looking for a copywriter that had background in psychology. And I had both. Wow. It was so strange. And they were like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you know what you're doing, right? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, okay, cool. So how much do you want? And I was like, 2K a month. The way I said it, I just said it and I just looked at him in the face and I was like, what are you going to say? And he was like, okay. And I said, oh, so I could have asked for more. Yeah. Interesting. That was my first and only taste of a, <laughs> of a positive freelance experience. And do you feel like you were able to learn and develop your skills during that time? Oh my God, 100%, 100%. And it was, it was even cool knowing that like, basically I was creating a chatbot or an app, which was insane. I was like, my words are going to be the thing that people are back and forth with in this chatbot. So it was basically like chatbot therapy. And I was like, well, that's really insane. So I had to learn so much. I had to learn practically how to cut down a sentence. Like there's always waffle in language, especially when you're coming off of like more of the humanities. Like you have to explain yourself so much when it comes to sales and marketing, you have to reduce, you have to figure out how to succinctly say everything that you're trying to say, maybe in like three to five words. That's hard. That's hard. But that's what gets you what you're looking for. And in this case, it did, you know, that, that demand was there as well because you don't have a lot of words. So you have to convey the therapy. You have to convey whatever the client was trying to do really short amount of words so that was what I was doing basically it was yeah it was definitely challenging but it was also very very good and it yeah it pushed me really really deadlines all sorts it was, it was really really crazy yeah I was talking with David Bell who I think you might know I, not too yeah. long ago about like what the highest leverage skills are and literally we decided on sales probably number one sales and communication and I think copywriting is essentially at the intersection of the two and I can't imagine anything that's more important than that. I think it doesn't necessarily have to be copywriting in terms of actually writing. So I think if you want to do the sales part and that's in person or on the phone, I think that is hugely important to develop. But if it's online or if it's, you know, on screen, then that's copywriting. Yeah, and that 100%. is a massive skill to be able to develop. So being able to influence people with your, your words, being able to, I think also part of it, like you say, is the psychology part, genuinely. Right. It's understanding the frame of mind people are in, understanding what their pain points are, where they're at and where you want to get them to, how, how you're able to solve the pain, being able to communicate that effectively in very small words, being able to com communicate the transformation that you're going to be able to drive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's tough to learn, especially when, you know, especially when you're coming completely like 
like the thing is though, I was decent at English. So like I already had like a writing something in me. So like, again, I was just pulling from like anything I could to make this experience as easy as it could be. And thankfully it was, but I know if it was anyone else who wasn't that good in English, they will probably have a higher barrier to entry because they probably don't even think they can write, let alone sound with their words. So yeah, it was definitely one of, and still is a skill I'm trying to master because it just transcends not just like words to like pen to paper, it's everywhere. So even with videos, there's video scripts, like you have to write those scripts. You need to know copywriting to write those scripts. For my business, obviously I have product pages to sell my products. Those are words. You better know how to write them right before. And that will affect whether someone buys from you or not. Because if you're not saying the right thing, they're going to go. So there's so much at stake. But also it's like, right, like knowing that, like, just basically ignoring the pressure, essentially, and just going in for it. Yeah, that those were definitely days for me. Sure. And so time-wise, this is now heading towards the pandemic, I think. Yeah, we're almost so there. Think... We have a horrendous <laughs> job in the middle of that. So basically, I was now starting to help wellness brands and financial brands with their marketing. So I was trying to do email. I was trying to do Facebook ads and stuff. And... Yeah, I just wasn't really getting anywhere with that. That's when I was really trying to lean into like freelance agency life. I had a friend with me who's now killing it, which is so funny to see her kill it. We started at the same time trying to start this freelancer thing and I just could not do it. Like I just could not get the clients and stuff. She did and now she's good. I just ended up, you know, in e-commerce. Um, but yeah, because I was struggling so much, my parents were just like, do you know what? Let's Let's just get a job, please. Like, we're worried. And I was like, okay, cool, fine, I'll let go. So I was like, at least let me get a job in sales so that I can learn something. Got a job in recruitment sales. And yeah, worst decision of my life. Horrendous mess. Wow. They set me up. That They just set me up. Like the first day they were like, yeah, you have the hardest market. But what they didn't say is that they weren't going to train me well. They weren't going to support me the way I needed to be. They were going to have very high expectations, despite the market being the way it was. And they were going to blame me for things that were very much out of my control. Like, if people aren't looking for jobs, people aren't looking for jobs. Like, what do you want me to do? You know? Yeah, that was funny. Then I got fired from that job. <laughs> I've heard so many things about uh, recruitment in general, particularly, you know, recruitment sales, just how difficult it is. And not just, I think, not just the difficulty of the role, but more so, I think this is 70% of it, if not 90, but the toxicity that somehow seems to exist within that field in general. I have no idea what that is, but at least from a lot of the people that I've spoken to that have worked within recruitment, that seems to be a very prevalent factor. Yeah, it's super toxic, super toxic. It's just... The high stress environment, numbers on the board. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Coffee, da da da. Late nights. It was intense. Um, obviously, when you're doing well, that's great. But even still, the people that were doing well, like you could just see anxiety. And like the way these yeah. guys used to take the edge off was to do coke. So it's like obviously you would know in these industries, these like high stress industries, this is how people take the edge off. I was just not interested in that. I was like. The fact that you had to go to those lengths to be somewhat okay. Mm, where am I? <laughs> like, 
Like, where am I? Yeah. And like the fact that we're openly speaking, this was the first time I'd ever heard it in a corporate setting. Things like this being discussed. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. And the thing is, I didn't hate the people until I had a reason to. But at the time, I, I didn't have any problems with anybody. It was just the fact that I was putting in so much effort and nothing was coming out of it. And that was a recurring thing for me. That I didn't like, I don't like that. I put in effort in the agency, didn't happen. I even put a, um, a lot of effort into school and I was still average. Like, I was just like, why am I always in an average place? I didn't like that. I wanted to change that about my life. Thankfully, I can say I'm no longer in that place, but I have so much work to give. I have so much effort to give. I have so much, you know, tenacity to give. But just to see the lack of, like, result or the lack of progress, that was so disheartening. I can imagine. That's one thing I was going to touch on is this fact that very much like you say, I can imagine that being an incredibly dark point in time where you've been you've been trying already to do this agency thing. That's what you felt like was your calling. That's what your thing is. You spent all this time learning the skills to be able to do that well. And you're trying to make that work. Okay, it doesn't work. You'll get a job. And this is your safe option. And now in the safety option, you're struggling. The same thing again. You're trying to make it work. It's not working. What had to change? What is it that click that maybe en enabled you to move beyond that i think it was the struggle between what i really wanted and what others wanted of me i think that is what it was because e-commerce was in my mind from a very early point but i thought i couldn't do it based on others advice so others advice was get cash flow business in first e-commerce is expensive you know, the margin's terrible, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. That was the one pillar. Then the other pillar was go for the safer options, go for this and that instead of like following your actual passion. And personally for me, I've seen some advice that literally said, do not do what you're passionate about. You don't have to be passionate about what you do. I'm not that person. <laughs> if I don't care... Nothing's going to come of it. Like, it's very clear because my entire life, every time I put my, my all or like I had so much passion for something, I ended up making it happen. I failed AS, psychology. I ended up getting to the point where I got a B in A in A levels because like I had to do AS and A2 the same year and I got a B. That's a lot. I just crammed my yeah. entire A levels into one. But because I cared, I got to be. Anything I put my mind to, I thrived at when I was passionate about it. When I was not passionate about it and I was just putting the effort in, it just didn't work. It was just a misalignment. Hmm. That was the key to changing alignment. I agree. I think it's a really interesting point with the, the passion thing because I am a bit conflicted on it at times. I do agree with what you're saying in terms of you do have to care. But I think sometimes, I think in some ways it's still... You care about making it right and you i almost feel like at any point when you have that drive that you need to make something happen and you believe that you don't have any other choice other than for it to work out then you will look for ways to make it work out and i think from what i see from people part of the reason that i might also warn against people solely following their passion is because some people feel like the only time that they're going to be happy or the only time things are going to work is when it's easy. 
and it's going to be easy because you like it, right? And it's going to be easy because this is what you love. But the thing that I say is, you know, if there was something that you were loved, if there was something that you loved and you were bad at it, would you still like it? If you were really, really bad, would you still love it the same way you do? And some people do. Yeah. There's people that can't sing and they want to sing all the time. Yeah, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. what I would say is the difference is those people sing as a as a hobby for fun. They're not trying to become professional singers, right? Yeah. Very yeah. rarely do you see someone that loves to sing, knows they're bad at singing and, and for a very long time pursues becoming a singer. They'll do something else. And so I think that is a part as well where sometimes you have to focus on what can you get good at really quickly that, will fulfill some of the needs that you have and being yeah. able to develop that motivation to make something happen. Because I think it's not always going to happen when everything is perfect. And I think even for you, there's two parts of it. There is one part where, yes, everything works out when maybe preparation met opportunity, when, when the time and place and everything was right. But you'd been in many ways preparing for that for a very long time. You'd be building copywriting skills. You'd been in the mix with entrepreneurship. You'd already been looking at e-commerce. You'd already been building a track record of skills, right? Even though that's not what you were working in day to day necessarily, you spent some time working in a startup. You spent some time working in recruitment sales. You would, your day work was something different mm -hmm. and okay, you weren't passionate about it, whatever, but the whole time you were building a skill set. So it got to a point where you had skills that you were good at and then you found somewhere that you could apply them and then it came naturally. And then those things were able to manifest themselves into success. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and again, like for me personally, it's just a personal thing in it when it comes to the whole like doing stuff that you hate. I just I just can't do it anymore. Like <laughs> literally kill me, kill me if I ever have to enter a job again. It's just I can't do it. I'm not built for it, you know? But the thing is, I also understand, like, that's what I'm saying. That's all I saw in my life. I only saw doing things out of necessity, doing things to get to another level, but never seeing the passion. So interesting there. I, yeah, it's very interesting. So literally, I okay. got fired. And then two weeks later, COVID happened. Wow. Yeah. That is tight. <laughs> On the bank account. Yes, it was tight. What was going through your mind at that point in time? It was funny. A lot of people would have panicked. I was still pissed off. They beat me to it. Because I was thinking that the weekend before, whether I should quit or not. And then I step into that room. They were moving mad. And then, boom, I'm going to let go. And I was just like, you little... Anyway, fine. You do that. I'm going to do me. But it was a great, like, sense of freedom. I was like, oh, finally, the shackles are gone. Thank God. Let me figure out what I'm going to do. Am I now going to start doing things a bit recklessly? Because I've been doing things by the book for so long. They showed up. I spent like three or four hundred pounds. I had very little money in my bank account. That was a lot of money to me at the time. I spent that changing up my room. I was like, let me create a better environment for myself. So I did that. And then I was like, let me work on a brand. Let me start a brand. This is not plan made. This was something else. I was like, okay, cool. I'm looking at the research. I'm seeing men's skincare could be an option because it's an underutilized market. It could be interesting. So I'm out here building something towards men's skincare. But then, yeah, I was not like, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, panic mode. I was actually like, cool. Let's, let's use this as an opportunity to rebuild myself, to become 
who I need to be. It was a, a restart. I love that. And I really think that what you showed there is the resilience that is needed to be a successful entrepreneur. I think, and, and it comes out in moments just like that. So funnily enough, I actually lost a job once, the only time I've ever been fired from everything, anything. And I remember just thinking in my head, literally the same day, I, I had just left the building and I was just thinking, there's no way that I can go home and tell my dad that I don't have a job. And <laughs> so I literally just sat down on this park bench and I was just Googling like all of our competitors. And I just walked. And the funniest part of this story wow. is that it was dressed down Friday. So I'm wearing like, I'm wearing trainers. I'm wearing this white top with graffiti on it. I just really bad. And a bomber jacket. So I just walked to the offices of one of our competitors and asked to speak to the guy that was their head of compliance. I was consulting on uh, compliance and financial crime. And I was like, can I speak to the head of compliance? And he came out and he looked at me and he was a bit weird. And I just explained, and you know, long story short, he was on his way out to a meeting, but he was like, if you're, if you, if you come back in two hours, then we can have a chat. So I had an interview for, for another job. And so at least I could go home and say, okay, you know, I'm not doing that job, but I've got a second interview yeah. for, my new job that pays more and is much better. But I genuinely think that this is the key fundamental thing. And it's one of those things that in some ways, I, I don't think you can teach. You have to learn and develop. You have to develop it yeah, yourself. Yeah. You have to develop this resilience of, I was thinking of this analogy earlier today, actually. You have to be able to turn rocks into just paper balls. When rocks hit you and fall on your head, you have to just mentally... Just imagine it bouncing off. That you can't so allow good. it to knock you down. Because I think when you do, that is when you become like defeated and it's hard. And then all there's more rocks. It's never just one rock. <laughs> it's always the, the first rock. <laughs> the first rock after that, five more rocks come, 10 more rocks come. And even if they're smaller rocks, they're all going to feel painful. Whereas if you allow that first one to bounce off, then... You're like, okay, I can do this. And then you start thinking of, okay, how can you get out of that situation? Wow, that analogy is perfect. Because I not only, that being fired, that was a boulder. But guess what? That, there was going to be another boulder <laughs> later. Like, your problems don't move. Yeah. It's your perception of them that has to change. You're never going to not have problems in your life, you know? But what it is is that, yeah, you have to turn them into paper. You have to be like, you know what? It's all good. It's all good. It's either not that deep. Like you just, you just make it not that deep. That's it. That's it. Okay, cool. It's happening. Whatever. What can I do about it? You know, instead of worrying about it, you know, dwelling on it and all that stuff. It's just like, it is what it is. There's that side of things. And then there's also the optimism out of the situation. So in like dire situations yeah. like this, like there were so many people fired in COVID. How many people ended up starting a business? Very little very little and and who's to say they wanted to start a business right but let's say there's people with business ideas who were fired right still 0.01 percent actually did something why because it was such a heightened such a heightened time where like fear was rampant like stagnancy was okay like it was the first time people were like you know what yeah. you do nothing for the first time in your life you do nothing for the first time you slow down for four or five months. That was the time. Also, though, there was another there was another set of people in the corner that were moving mad. These were the people that were getting in the best shape of their lives. These were people that were building businesses out of the job, myself. And that there was just that other people that was just doing a madness because they saw, okay, whilst everyone's slowing down, 
Yes, this is a place to slow down, but it's also a place to reset my life. So let me do that. You know, yeah. I was in that pocket. It was mainly because it was like, well, I don't have anything to lose. And there was one quote that changed my life. I keep on saying changed my life. This one quote really was the thing. Get out of your own way. I finally decided to just get out of my own way. Because most of the time, it's not your problems that stop you from doing stuff. It's just you. So I finally took myself, you know, I fired myself from being the bottleneck in my life. Things changed immediately once I started, you know, living my life wow. bottleneck free. That's amazing. No, I, I definitely agree with that. I think very often we have these limiting self-beliefs where a lot of people, like you say, just have the default expectation that there's certain things that they can't do. Um, and it's partly because they haven't tried or they haven't explored, but people just assume, oh, only people that are born like that can do things like that. And I don't know if I can do that. Maybe one day I'd like to try, you know, if, if I have some time. And first of all, you don't even know exactly what the criteria is for you to ever try this thing that you'd so desperately want to do. Yeah. And second of all, it's never going to happen. Like there's never going to be the magical moment exactly. where you finally decide to do that thing until, unless you're forced to, right? Or unless you force yourself to, like you say, getting out of your own way, removing that mental limitation that you've put on yourself, but it's not something you can do right now. Yeah. It's not something that you can learn. And sometimes it's even something you can do incrementally. So again, referencing your journey where you've been learning these skills over time, you've, so it's not, one day, I think it would be a, an entirely different proposition if you left uni, you did these jobs, and then you lost your job, and now you have to go and learn copywriting, and now you have to go and learn marketing. I think that is way harder, and I think that's what most people end up being in that position. It's like, well, you mean I have to go and learn all of this if I want to change my life? That's so hard. I can't do that. I'm just going to look for the next opportunity. But if you can start early, as early as possible, not knowing that you're ever going to need it, but starting to build some of these skills. Yeah. And by the time you do need it, you're ready and you can take action. The two hard parts, one is making the decision to take action because most people don't even do that. And then the next part is once you've made the decision, actually being able to make it. Yeah, yeah. Those are really the two things everyone's fighting against. And the thing is, it never stops. And that's a funny thing because really and truly, it's just imposter syndrome, right? And like... I read yeah. something yesterday, which was really funny. It was like, imposter syndrome is hilarious because the people who think they know the most actually know little. And the people who know little actually know more than they think. So either way, no one's ever an imposter. Someone knows something. You know something about something. So do it. Just do it. Yeah. But the other thing is that you'll always feel like an imposter because you're always going to be growing. So you think someone, yeah. you know, in my position who's built a seven-figure business wouldn't feel like an imposter, would be fine to, you know, it's just even my struggle to this day. I'm in and out whether I should build a personal brand, whether I should be talking about what I'm doing, maybe to start consulting again. There's a period I did forget to mention, but there was a time where I was selling my services. I was on Twitter. I packaged myself in a cheap way to help people who was trying to start up businesses. And I was selling that. And I was doing these like consultancy reports and stuff like that and talking them through what I would do in their business, that kind of thing. I was doing one of that. But I had never had a business at the time and I was very confident to do that. Now, as a seven-figure business owner, I am like, oh, should I do that again? Oh, I don't know. Would anyone even listen to me? 
which makes no sense. And I still feel that way. Why? I don't know. Yeah. It makes no sense, though. And it's just that imposter syndrome will never leave you. But it's something you'll have to fight every day. Yeah, but it's good. It's good that you feel that way. I genuinely feel like even the insight is the inverse. It's that if you're not feeling imposter syndrome, that means you're not doing it right. You're, you are in a place where you're too comfortable and you're not trying enough things. Because if you were trying something new that you didn't know how to do, then there would be, of course, you feel like an imposter because you haven't done it before. If you'd done it before, it would be what you did yesterday. Mm -hmm. But if all you do every day is what you did yesterday, I mean, maybe some people are happy with that life. But I think that's also what leads people to feel stagnated and leads people to feel like they're not growing because all you're doing is the same thing. And so, like we were just saying, you really need to be able to step out of your boat and take that next step and be able to decide to get out of your own way and decide that you're going to make something new, something different. And part of that is just you will necessarily feel like an imposter because you're trying something new and you're figuring out as you go along. And I think that is the most powerful bit. That's almost the most powerful thing that you can have is this feeling that you are making it up as you go along because I think that's where the insights come from. Because yeah. if you would just, if there was some kind of book that you could read and it told you the answers, I feel like you wouldn't have even learned all the things that you've learned on your journey so far because... It's quite likely that, you know, if there was a formula for the most straightforward way to become successful and everyone just did that, it would look very boring and basic. Yeah. Like, I think all everything that we have, all of the different brands, all the different exciting things come from people making mistakes, people doing things the wrong way, people learning things in a very roundabout way that leads to what you're able to produce. But if yeah. you did everything in a very formulaic way where you knew the answers, you know, if you make this decision, it's going to work out like this. If you make this decision, it's going to work out like that. Then you don't learn all the same lessons. No, yeah, that's very, very fair. I mean, it's still something like the confidence piece. It's like, it's not that I lack the confidence to do something. Because I'm, again, I'm still in the business of helping people no matter what I do. And I also know like I struggled and there was people who conned me people who were selling courses and they were trash and it's like I know if it was me or whenever I spit game to anybody I'd say it as real as humanly possible and I'm like very much like the stakes are high so let me just show you exactly what's going on right that's just how I am but it's like why can't I package that into a book why can't I package that into a course I don't know because it's one thing, it's one thing, the imposter syndrome side, but it's also a case of like, is that even the right thing for me? It was like, because I remember um, right. Gary Vee saying something and he was like, oh, by the way, like speaking is probably more leverage than like, you know, internet money. Basically what he was saying, he was like, yeah, you're going to like, if you do sell a course or do sell stuff like that, just know you're going to like bite your back. Like you're going to cut your bag in half or even in three quarters But when it comes to speaking. I found that really interesting and that like pondered in my head for a long time. So like, I feel like that's mm -hmm. where like, it's that, it's that dance between like, is it, is it's imposter syndrome. It's also like, this advice is interesting and I don't know what the right thing is to do because I know if I was to package something now, it might really pop off to be fair. I mean, it reminds me of, I was listening to a conversation with Shane Parrish, I think, and Ryan Holiday and Shane Parrish. And, and what they were talking about is with Ryan Holiday, for example, he's written all these great books, but the more successful you become, the more options you get. Yeah. And the more wisely you have to pick 
what you do next because you're going to get more and more choices more and more options people want you to speak here they want you to do this they want you to do that you could write a book you could do a course you could do all of these things and i think then the power becomes saying no to the right things and saying yes to the right things yeah and being able to constrain yourself in the most effective way because i think when you're starting you want as much optionality as possible you want as many options as possible you want as great a chance for success as possible like how can i start from here and get some money that lets me you know buy anything that i want and do use my time how i want and do all of those things so you're kind of trying to open the funnel of the options that you have yeah but when you start to become more successful probably you want to start closing the funnel and narrowing down your focus into where you can be the most effective yeah. because if you try and do everything at once you're going to lose your efficacy and you can do a million different things but you're still one person and and you probably won't do all of them well and so it's probably much better at that point to do a few things excellently than to do lots of things half-heartedly um i would probably say like it's really interesting because focus has been the very thing that has been integral in this business i'll tell you that because i dropped everything i dropped everything for this obviously i was working on this you know the skincare business i dropped that and i yeah. decided hey i'm going to go all in and i was like let me see what it finally looks like if i go all in into and is that what made you decide to pick? No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask because, okay, between the skincare thing and what you're doing now, which is effectively a haircare thing, these are hard businesses. You did not pick, you know, drop shipping water bottles from <laughs> China. There's loads of other businesses yeah. that you could have done that yeah. are way easier than this. You pick some really hard niches. So how did you get to that point? Again, it was just a passion thing. It was just a passion thing. Like, what am I passionate about? You know, what am I passionate about? I love wellness. Skincare was something I have always been interested in. I've had to take care of my skin because I had terrible acne and stuff like that. And I had steroids and a whole mess. These men were burning my face to the ground. It was insane. But so I already had an affinity to that. So yeah, they weren't hard businesses. And I was like, well, but I want to build a brand though. I don't want to just build a business that just makes a, a bit of money. I want to build a legacy brand. So that was already my intention behind it. I wanted to build a legacy brand that would stay forever, that had intention, that took work. It, I didn't mind the work, you know. I was excited for the work, actually, because I wanted to see what those kinds of efforts would breed. Obviously, it changed into Plant Made, and it was like a hair and beard growth business, but I'd still built Plant Made the same way. So I built Plant Made as if Apple mm. would build it. So Apple has different names for their products. They have the iPhone, they have the MacBook, they have the iPad, they have this. It's not a tablet, it's not a phone, and it's not a laptop. You can't just call them that. Right. You have to call them by their name. And it was like, I want something with that kind of integrity, even as basic as products. So that's why all my products have their own individual names. And it's almost like I personified them because... It's like, you now have an affinity to this. Oh, you can talk about how drizzle's your favorite, not just a hydrating mist. Oh, you can talk about how inches really gave you inches, not just a hair oil. These are things that are like strengthening in terms of like brand awareness and brand equity. I wanted to build something that had that kind of strength like Apple did. So I, I didn't mind the effort it would take to build a business like this. 
I was just like, let me see what All In looks like with with something challenging. I was always up for a challenge. But yeah, what what would All In look like? And it, it looks like this. Yeah, that was beautiful, by the way. Oh, I appreciate it, <laughs> I appreciate it, I appreciate it. So, okay, so you're starting this brand. I need to understand, are you starting from complete zero? Did you Were you already leveraging a mailing list that you had? Because... I'm assuming from what I know that you still didn't go down the route from the advice that you got before that you need funding and you need to go and get some money. You need to go and amass some capital. What was the zero to one there looking like? It was zero. It was completely zero. And you know what's funny? I made it that way. So obviously I had a following at the time on Twitter and I was like, you know what? Don't care about this. Um, Especially, so let's backtrack a bit. So basically I made a hair oil for myself. It worked. I was only trying to solve my issues. I wasn't trying to make us into a business. And then turns out I actually had a lot of interest in my personal Instagram. These were people I only knew. And if I wasn't following anyone else, I didn't have a platform there at all. Right. And then I, I just said, I was like, oh, like, these are some of the things I'm using. Because it wasn't weird for me to talk about, like, hair care. Because I was really, like, into hair. But someone asked me, oh, like, could you... Could you make it for me and I'd buy it for me? And I was like, right, okay, I don't mind. Remember, I'm broke, I don't have any money, and I'm down to my, like, couple hundred. So I was like, yeah, cool. So I basically put up on my story, oh, is anyone interested in buying this? And then I had 100 DMs, and I was like, that's so mad. What the hell did I do right now? So I was like, I took a screenshot of basically the oil I made, I think I took a screenshot of the DM itself and I put it on Twitter and I was like, "Do I did I just start a business by accident? And I was just like, let me document on Twitter, but let me sell on Instagram. Again, I decided to take right. the harder route. I already had an existing audience. I could have really done a lot and become like this whole like, oh, you're a mindset coach and now you do hair consultations? Like, what? I was like, no, what does it look like to really start from zero? Because I don't want anyone to be like, yeah, you piggybacked off of your following. You did this. Like, you had... I wanted to see, because to be honest, at the time I was still cool with like, really, really cool with like selling information. I was like, let me see what will happen if I built this from zero, like zero, zero. That's why I didn't leverage Twitter. I decided to document on there anyway, and then build it from scratch from Instagram. The funny thing with Instagram is I didn't know it that well. I didn't know Instagram that well. Right. It was new. It was so new to me. I didn't know how to run a business on there. I didn't know anything. I had to learn so fast, so hard. Outside of just learning about e-commerce. So learning about a whole, you know, new platform that doesn't lend itself to links and quick information and being seen by anybody. This is followers and intention and, you know, education and stuff like that. So it was definitely, definitely a steep hill to climb. But once I climbed it, the money was pouring. Okay, let's let's dig into that because... I know you said that from the first time you posted about it, you had a hundred DMs and we know that right now you've turned that into a, a business that's made 2.6 million pounds in revenue, which is amazing. So, I mean, did things always work? Were things always, I mean, I know we're going to get to a big wrinkle. I think that came up in the early yeah. days, but even before then, was it like a very smooth trajectory in terms of there was already a massive audience that really wanted this thing and people were ready to buy it and things were just taking off already? No, nope, I had to work for everything. I was DMing people. I was yeah doing people saying, hey, I have this oil. I have these results. Let me know if you want to follow back. 
I was, you know, going to my friends and telling them, okay, don't worry, like, follow this page, don't follow me. But I was also, like, even filming, like, content and, like, tips and tricks and stuff. I was like, if anyone's going to buy anything from me, they got to see me as an expert. they got to see me as someone that knows something. So I literally relayed all the information that I'd known about hair, about how to take care of my hair. And then also, every time I was taking a video, my hair was progressively getting more healthy, longer, thicker, you know, that kind of thing, healthier. Those things were being noticed. And like, oh my days, your hair is so much bigger than it was two weeks ago. People were asking me for tips and tricks. And then I was always using Inches, which was my first flagship product. Everyone's asking, what is this oil? And I'm like, head over to plant. Well, at the time, planted. Head over there and see, see what it is. But even when I initially, even when I initially started the business, in that period where I had 100 DMs, I had sold. So I basically turned 100 pounds into 1,000, right? In 10 days. In that yeah. time, I told people to send me back their before and after pictures. So those before and after pictures were coming in strong. I basically had 15 to 20 before and after pictures before I had even launched Planted. So I already had proof that I was talking something. So I was just posting those on the Instagram as well as some making videos. I was taking advice because this was around the time where um, Marie from Moon X Cosmetics, she had just made a mill in eight minutes with her skincare brand. I was watching that like a whole... Yeah, I remember that. And I'll never forget the day when I saw that because I was like, this is going to be me. This is going to be me. I was like, no, this is so weird how this type of business just blew up like this. It was just one of those things where like it was it was the attraction. I was like, I'm aligning myself into this trans. It was good. This frequency. I'm I'm aligning myself into this. I'm going to get it. I'm still chasing that one million minutes to this day. <laughs> I'm still chasing that. But yeah, no, that was insane to see. So it built everything from scratch. Yeah. But then it told me, wow. You don't need as many followers as you think to make a lot of money. Because even mm -hmm. think about it, I'm only, we only got 67,000 followers. There's people who are a lot bigger than us that right. haven't even made yeah. as much as we have. So it really matters more who's following you rather than number. And I was always proving that because we'd already made six figures. We'd made six figures with like 6,000 followers or something like that. Like something dumb, you know? Wow. Yeah, about, yeah. sorry, about seven or 8,000 followers. Yeah, we had about seven or 8,000 followers and we'd already made six six figures. Like, you'd think you'd need more than that. No, it really depends on, you know, who's who's actually in your corner as well as the kind of people you're attracting. And was a lot of this coming simply organically, even at this point where you're now crossing the six-figure mark? Or did you have to start dabbling into ads and email and some of the other social channels? Okay, so email was 100% from the very beginning, a part of the business. That was how we launched our products, basically. So yeah, that was a massive thing for us. When it came to ads, we didn't really run ads until like month nine. So it was still yeah, very organic. And we kind of gifted a few things to some micro-influencers. One of my friends, I gifted it to her. She posted on Twitter and she got like 50 retweets, which at the time was a lot. And we were in stock. I was like running posts under, you know, Kia, Penny's Pounds. She was, because uh, yeah. it was around the Black Black Pound Day time, she would always run Black Pound Day posts basically to help businesses promote their businesses. What I'd do is I'd put before and after under the, that post, I'd put a link, basically said a, a quick brief as to what the business is. I was driving traffic as 
much as humanly possible outside of, you know, actually making the products <laughs> themselves. I was doing a whole lot. I don't know what the positive version of desperation is, but whatever that is, that is what I was doing <laughs> for six months straight by myself. Yeah. And at what point did you start have to, having to bring on people and having to start building out a team? So I had someone helping me every now and again. I had one person and then it came to the point where I think it was Black Friday 2020. I had just hit six figures and I had to call people to help. We were still make no, we weren't making product, but we were like wrapping products ready to be shipped, like ready to be packaged. Still like during like 3 or 4 p.m. that day. Bear in mind, like if you were in the business at the time, you knew like everything was prepped before so that the orders could just be quickly done. No. Yeah. My friend had to drive from Essex two and a half hours to come down and help out. Or he's offered. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. So you had a bunch of people in your house packaging bottles. Yeah. Just that one time. Yeah. It was like, and we were up until like 5 a.m. packing orders. I slept for like a few hours and then I went back again. And it was, whew, it was tough. It was tough. And I was like, okay, cool. January, I think I have to hire. And then I did. I, uh, a lot, <laughs> well, not a lot, a lot, but I had about five or six people, something like that. Sure. What's that process been like becoming more sophisticated? Cause I know that very often you have people that start very young businesses and they might be easy to deal with when it's like a side hustle and it's just something that you can do in your own time. And then your life at some at some point almost becomes encompassed by the business, particularly as it grows and as it scales and it necessitates your time and your energy. So how have you found that process of like scaling? Now you have a much bigger team. Now you need much more process and you have to think about operations. There's so much more that it encompasses. Yeah, it's been a learning curve in the best way. Like even the stuff that we even got the first time around, like those were people that were helping us out more than like them actually working for us. We were working around their time. It was almost like, oh, when you're available, come and work here. We just agreed yeah. a few days that you have to work minimum every week. The minimum was very low. Um, but then it came to the point where it was like, oh, the business is growing. And like some days we're getting 10 people in and another day is getting two people in. And financially and also productivity wise, that was not working out for us. Um, yeah. So like literally experience has taught us so much. Now we have a permanent team and, you know, they're literally contracted like four, 40 hours a week. And also I built out a head team, people, people that are now working in operations, influencer, marketing, CRO, sorry, conversion rate optimization, but design content, literally like those pillars have been built out. And yeah, sure. Sometimes you pinch yourself and you're like, are you really running a business right now? Yeah. This is a bit mad. So like there's like one and that one and you know, that perspective there, but really and truly, as long as you're getting what you need to get done, you don't have to act any way. There's no one way to be a business, you know. Again, for me, I've had to keep up with the growth of the business and my expected growth of the business. I, I had to keep up skill-wise, maturity-wise, mentally, mindset-wise, all of these things I had to do because if I didn't, like, I would have crumbled when things yeah. hit the fan. I mean, let's, let's talk about that. So you yeah. had some, some drama. Yes, I had some drama. Um, if we, there's a, that's what we're <laughs> going to call it. Back in July, 2021, this was just after our first year anniversary. So it was kind of like, why did you do this at this time? But fair enough, go off sis. So we just moved into our 6,000 square foot unit after being in like a big yellow storage for ages for the past, no, 
six months prior to that, right? So we've now got big boy, you know, commercial property. We're out here paying, you know, big boy rent, you know, grams at a time. And you've got staff to feed because they work for you full time. It was a lot to see that come through. And I'm like, so I have to shut down the business. Okay. And if you know anything about e-commerce, you know, that one day alone yeah. can change your life. Let alone two months out of selling, which is what we had to do. We had to not sell for two months because of it. It was insane. The mental, the mental I had to build, like, because I was crushed, like, for so many reasons. The name I'd come up with, gone. What it encompassed to me, you know, the journey of being planted and growing and soaring and all that stuff, that was gone. I had to now come up with the name to think outside of planted. It took us a month to come up with a new name. Legal. Had to now pay legal. Had to protect ourselves for ambitious future too. Had to now get all these trademarks and stuff and underplanted, plant made now, sorry, to future proof the business so that we can freely go into other industries without any worry or, or, or stress. It was so much. It was so intense. And then restructuring the entire business whilst we were away because it was like, okay, cool. Let's make a packaging better. Let's tighten operations. Let's tighten finance. Let's tighten marketing. Let's do mm -hmm. all of this stuff. Let's standardize our production facility or whatever. Like we did all of this transformation in those two months, basically. It was so intense. But it happened for the best. It really did. We would have been limited anyway in terms of like kind of fulfilling all our interesting business, my business thoughts and feelings, like what products I wanted to release next, those sorts of things, like those innovations. I wouldn't have been able to do under the name Planted anyway because of other people that even had trademarks and copyrights under, under certain things. So yeah, it was really interesting to go through that. I changed so much. I became someone that really had to really feel a paper, paper ball instead of a boulder. Like yeah. that was a boulder. I couldn't take it out of my staff because they did nothing wrong. But also I had to almost like do with them grieving this idea they bought mm. into and like also comfort them and knowing that like, this business isn't going to die. It's going to just reform. It's almost going to be like a Phoenix moment. They needed to have security that they were going to have a job. There was going to be a business to be a part of still. So there was so many moving parts going on in that time. And what did you have to change maybe mentally to get through that? Because for me, this is another one of these big, almost like tests. This is the part where you prove yourself and you show like where you're at and what you're made of not that and again i don't want to necessarily say that someone that didn't bounce back in the way that you did is worth any less but just from the perspective that in your yeah. journey you've now this is like almost the third the third test where the first you tried to do something it didn't really work you tried to get a, a different job it didn't really work you've built this business everything feels like it's finally clicking it's going well things are coming together you're scaling incredibly beyond maybe what you've even dreamed for in terms of the time that you were able to scale it in and then suddenly at the drop of a hat everything changes and you have to stop like what first of all what makes you even decide that this is something you can keep going yeah. from because i think a lot of people genuinely <laughs> would say okay that's it i tried my best this is too much the world is against me maybe it's not meant to be i think it was the fact that i have nothing to lose again so i have nothing to lose and everything to gain i could not give up on this mission i had embarked on i had seen so many people's lives change because of me and because of the products that i'd created 
I'd seen people that had been depressed because of their hair loss. I'd seen people, it should be told by doctors, for decades, they can't grow hair in a certain area. And, and like, I don't take this stuff lightly. Like, this stuff is mind-blowing. Like, my little mind was able to do something where it's transformed someone's life. But when you have that kind of impact, how can you just let it go? That, it, that was the mission. The mission was still there, regardless of the name. And I had to remove myself from the business as well. I had to be like, Amma, you're not, you're not planted. Mm-hmm. You're not even plant-made. You're not even plant-made. You're you. That was, you know, seeing the business in a third person aspect, seeing myself removed from it and also understanding that it can get back to where it needs to be. It's, it was having that delusion because that's what it was in the time because no one saw mm. us out of that. What's that going to be like? Like the worries and the anxieties were there, especially even when we came back, we lost like ridiculous amounts of revenue. Like people didn't know who we were anymore. They couldn't, you can't search a name you don't know. All this stuff was happening and it was like, okay, do you have to now pay for more customers? you have to be seen again? Cool. It was a bit mad. So then it was like, well, we're back yeah. at square one. Let's build this into the machine it was going to be. This is now no strings. This is now no problems. And not, what I mean by no problems is that no one can now come and be like, oh, no one can mm. do that anymore. We've protected ourselves, you know? Those sorts of things, like... Yeah, that's that's really the changes that happened in myself. Just that coming back to that first lockdown ammo and seeing this situation as get out of your own way again. Sure, I didn't choose for this to happen, but are you going to be the reason why this dream dies, this mission yeah. dies? If I can't accept that responsibility, then we keep we keep it pushing, keep it going. And it's not even the mission against my customers. It's also my family and my friends that I bought into this as well. My staff that were working with me as well. There's a, there was a lot at stake, yeah. so I couldn't just give up. You touched on a really important word, which I think is delusion. And I think in order to become successful within <laughs> entrepreneurship, because it's not that it's easy, but you can become successful in other much more traditional fields just by working hard for a very long time. That is one way to do things. Very true. Within entrepreneurship at least from my perspective i think you genuinely need to have this almost irrational self-belief that things have to work out things (laughs) it has to happen there's no other option this is it needs to work even if it doesn't necessarily work out exactly the way that you originally envisaged you have to find a way so if something if a path is blocked you have to find another route if something doesn't work out the way that you planned you have to find another way because it needs to happen and you need to almost You have to create your own fuel and that has to come internally. It can't come from the cachet of the company that you work for and it can't come from, you know, the energy of your friends. You need your own fuel and you need to be able to push yourself through very difficult moments and times where you don't understand what's going on. There's no clear path. There's no guarantee that you're going to be able to make money. There's no promise that everything will work out, but you just have to believe that will happen and do everything within your power to just bring that dream into reality yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 awesome well thank you so much for making the time I, I really appreciate it and thanks for sharing so much not just about your journey but all the gems that i'm sure the listeners are going to love i appreciate it. i appreciate it. thank you so much for having me um it was definitely a, a more different conversation that i've had recently but yeah it was it was good to kind of reflect on that time and and see 
kind of the changes that I made to to stay on this course because again it wasn't easy but I really hope if anyone's hearing this and resonates with some part of this just know that like I also do recognize as much as I was not privileged in terms of how I started this business with very little money very little resource I was also very privileged because you've got people like Stephen Bartlett who were homeless eating pizza out you know beans during that during that struggle and Obviously, he's a multimillionaire now. Like, I was more privileged than him on his come up. So it's really understanding how nuanced life is and going for whatever you want, regardless of where you're from, where you're at, and just having that belief and delusion that you're going to get to where you want to be somehow, some way. All you need to do is just focus and put the energy and the work in. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do stay tuned for more. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps the podcast. And follow me on Twitter. Feel free to shoot me any thoughts. See you next time.